the other one is E, but who really cares? <laughs> We're back with another episode. What's up, Emily? What's Gucci Gooch? Um, Ew. Sounds really oh my gross. God, she's done. <laughs> <laughs> sounds actually really gross. What's, What's Gucci Gooch? It sounds like something you would say when you were like in middle school. Oh, like how yeah. you used to say smurfing. Smur- Emily didn't no, use to cuss, no, no, so that she was, used to say smurfing. No, no, that's so freaking wrong. We were in high school, and I said smurf because, oh, no, I said murf. Oh, no, 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 I said murp because of Jersey Shore. But, you know, like Dina, and they're like, murp. Anyway, yeah, no, smurfing, yeah, I had, did say smurfing. Oh, what a weird. Because you wouldn't cuss. Also, like, you would say murp. And, like, just quick tangent, in freaking high school, you would always say, like, freaking phrases that were so weird. But, like, Simone and I, our other friend at the time, would hang out with you and just, like, start using it every day. Yes. And I was like, I hate myself. <laughs> I mean, I am a trend starter, so it makes sense. Um, Speaking of trend starters, let's I was about to do it, too. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Who is he? No, MVP. you go. I forgot how to. <laughs> MVP is Van Lathan of TMZ. He is... Um, he has his own podcast on TMZ, you know, and, uh, if you know his name, you, uh, probably have first heard of it unless you listen to his podcast. Um, and he pretty much called out Kanye. Um, you know about Kanye and what he's been doing. Um, but he pretty much in, in the, in the live interview stood up at the end. You should watch it. It's definitely watch, you know, it's watch worthy. He stood up and he called him out for, you know, all the things he's saying about, you know, slavery being a choice, blah, blah, blah. He's not black. He's supporting Trump. And basically, like, saying, you get to say all this stuff because you are at the upper, upper, upper echelon of society and you're revered around the world by everybody and you're like an idol to people. But you don't realize that the things you say make a huge effect on the people who are listening to your music that don't have the same privileges as you, but actually have the same skin color. And so we have to deal with that kind of stuff. So for you to say that and also have the background from coming from Chicago, like, and you know how bad it is there, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's crippling to the black community. And also he was like, it's unbelievably hurtful to hear that come from you. And I really, I... I liked what he said, but I also really just respected the fact that he had the freaking courage to stand up and tell Kanye this and also say it so eloquently. No, I really, really respect it. Well, like, really quick, like, we all know what Kanye said. It's in, it's been in the news. It's unavoidable. I tried to avoid Kanye's tweets or whatever. I remember I saw him start tweeting. And I was like, I'm going to tap out on this one. But it literally would come <laughs> It literally would show up on my phone no matter what. But just a quick rundown. Uh, yeah, just in case you're listening to this from a, you know, in the future. Or under a t- rock, and you haven't heard anything or about under it. <laughs> you don't know. Sorry, anything. I feel mean when people say that. You're not under a rock. Sometimes I for- I don't notice. Oh, Emily, I'm scared she hurt your feelings. The person <laughs> who lives under the rock. Uh, <laughs> Kanye's been tweeting up a storm. He hasn't, he's been so quiet for a while, and like, I don't know, like, there was another guy who kind of called him out on this, where it's like, it seems like his album's coming out, and now Kanye's tweeting some crazy things, or, like, he believes it, but, like, it's just, he's being very Kanye right now, and it's, like, about Trump, slavery was a choice, Obama did nothing, like, y'all are trying to silence me, and, like, even, like, John Legend texted him, I think we all saw, like, Mm -hmm. we all probably saw it, but it was so funny. John Legend texted him, it was the most eloquent, like, freaking phrase, 
and it was just John Legend and Chrissy Teigen loved them and he was just like hey just think about your fans think about like do some research make sure you know where they're coming from and Kanye was like yeah I get it yeah John love you nothing but love but you using my fans as a tactic based off of fear to change my opinion (laughs) (laughs) I love that Kanye is like and especially to the guy the guy from the TMZ thing he was like you know, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. You know what? I appreciate what you're saying, but, but I'm going to, like, expose you. Like, oh, my goodness. I was just like, bro. Like, Yeah, y'all need to see this interview. Because, like, Kanye, like, he was very Kanye at this TMZ office, basically. And he's going on a rant. He's going on a Kanye rant about freedom of speech. He's going on a Kanye rant about Trump. You know, it's Kanye. He's, he's going to yell. He's going to stand up and yell at everyone in the office. And he's like, who does, who thinks I'm not free? Who thinks I don't, like, like, who doesn't think that I'm saying what I want to say? And, like, or, like, he's like, who believes that I'm saying what I want to say or whatever? And all these people are like, I'll raise my hand because what the fuck? If Kanye West is yelling at you, looking straight into your eyes, lights are on, you're not going to be like, you could be saying shit about him to your friends, but, like, when he's in front of you, you're gonna, people are going to be like, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. And the guy... The podcast guy. Van. Van Lathan. Van. Mm -hmm. He was, he didn't back down. Even though a huge freaking star, like, one of the biggest rappers. Like, you know, he has, like, he's not even just, like, the biggest rappers, but he's, like, part with the, like, he's in part with, like, Kim Kardashian and that family. So he's, like, just on this whole freaking level. It's, like, going off. And he really, like expressed his opinion which i think is hard to do it's hard to do with anyone who's like at any status that's like you know held in such high regards and like respect to him because there was some girl there that was about to annoy the heck out of me who's just like yeah blacks fight blacks it was like this black girl and she was really trying to like get on his side so she could be like i talked to kanye and they just really (laughs) ignored her and had a conversation and kanye was like he went up to the guy after. You think he's going to try to fight him, but he's like, no, I just want to give him a hug. Like, he was very Kanye about it. <laughs> he was just like, I'm sorry that what I've done, what I've said hurt you. I believe what I said, but I'm sorry what I said hurt you. No, yeah. The girl um, that was there uh, should have looked up her name. I forget it. Um, she's the black girl that uh, is known for saying, like, Black Lives Matter uh, I forget the exact quote, but she pretty much damns Black Lives Matter. Huge Trump uh-huh. supporter. Um, and she was there, and yeah, so I, I'm i not even going to get into her. But the basic of it is, you know, Kanye has been flying, you know, as some people say, flying off the wall. In my opinion, I think Kanye, uh, I think it could be a mix of things. You know, some people have, and at first I thought it was like an e- DJ uh, Ebro, the radio personality, um, pointed out in his interview that kind of went viral. He had a conversation with Kanye and said like, yo, you're doing this for your album sales. And I talked to a friend who knows Ebro and she was like, no, I talked with him. One, they're really close friends. And two, even without that conversation, Kanye doesn't need to do all this to create album sales. And but, I, like, doesn't he, though? It's, like, no, I think no. that's a brilliant, I think it might be, like, a brilliant marketing tacket, tactic. Does he believe in it? Yeah, probably. But is he saying this stuff because his album's coming out? I still believe that's true. No. I think that's, like, what makes the Kardashians great or, like, what, like, works. It's, like, yeah, sometimes some crazy stuff has to happen or, like, some something you have to get your name out there where everyone's promoting your, like, promoting you. 
no matter what, like people are going to listen to his next album because they're just like, what is this dude going to say now? You know what I mean? I, I don't think that it was like, oh, well, he doesn't need it. I think it's still like a great marketing technique. I think it's, I think this is well-timed, a little too well-timed no. to just like dismiss it. I, oh. I disagree because, because okay, if guys, you're at we're Kanye's gonna put a poll. level, I'm curious about your opinion. Wait, so many... at, at Kanye, wait, at Kanye's level, you're on the level of Jay-Z. Does Jay-Z mouth off before he, does Beyonce is mouth Jay-Z, off? Is that is, Jay-Z's? persona though? Wait, wait, does Beyonce Kanye not? Okay, wait, 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 wait. Kanye okay, someone, someone who's, no, uh, you know who else is known for mouthing off, sort of, but not in the same way? Rihanna. She talks out her, she talks all the she time. She is, no, she, but Kanye's known for being, okay, yeah, Rihanna says what she wants to say. Rihanna does her, is like bad or whatever. That sounded sarcastic. Um, no, guys, I love Rihanna. Rihanna. Yeah. Love you. Um, <laughs> but like, Kanye She's on the cover of Vogue today. It. I know. Oh my God. Re- Kanye gets on stage and takes a freaking mic from Taylor Swift. Rihanna would never. Like, you uh, know what yeah. I mean? Kanye's okay, okay. known for acting. Like, that is his. He's is irrational, but he's known for acting a little irrational also. That is Kanye's brand. Mm. That is what he's known for. And he does it because he believes he's a genius. And I think any, no matter how big you are, if you're, if you're trying to sell some albums, you make yourself relevant again. Like, think about it. If you're, like, there are so many people that have fallen off. Not saying that Kanye would, but, like, he wasn't going to just be like, hey, guys, I have a new album out. No, he's, his name's in the, his name's in every freaking paper. He's trending on Twitter for, like, a whole day. You know, the freaking, some people's president, not mine, <laughs> is tweeting about him. You know, like, that's just a wider scale than his, than his, like, tweets or then his existence would just create it makes him national news so yeah does he need it everyone needs publicity there's no such thing as bad publicity is it it's too convenient of a time for him to pop off and we look at how he was selling his other album i bet there's a pattern like he wasn't wild and out since his last album i haven't heard from him since then like have we he's been off like he's been focusing on his like clothes or whatever well he also he also has been focusing i mean he talked about it mental health he's been struggling with that uh he had plastic surgery and then like got addicted to opioids and now he's been apparently diagnosed with bipolar you know bipolarism disorder i'm sorry um but but you know the thing is i think it's 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 easy to say that this is a whole Chris, and I'm not saying Kanye is now under the umbrella of Chris Jenner, but it's easy to say that this whole thing is a planned, maniacal. I think you give like, Chris Jenner too much credit. I'm not. I'm, I'm. I didn't even say that. That's why I said I didn't even say that. But I'm just saying it's a it's a great marketing tactic. I, sure, but we don't know if it's for sure. And you know what? That's why I'm a little skeptical of it because if it isn't, I'm I'm, I'm skeptical of the fact that. For one, yeah. If it's a great mar- if it's a marketing tactic, then friggin' you you win the marketing award of the year, the decade, year, whatever you want to call it. But but you, this dude might actually be like not stable, and I don't think it's okay. I don't believe that's not his mindset. I like I I'm not saying that he's just saying this. Just because he's like, oh, what's good? Well, I think he is slightly, oh, like, what's going to draw people's attention? But, like, 
I do believe that he believes what he's saying. I'm just saying he's being so intense about it on social media, coming out of nowhere during a Twitter storm. That wasn't random. His, like, high, strong opinions, me and Trump are wolves, or whatever they, dragons, jackasses. Either way, um, he's like, I think that tweet storm was the marketing. Do I think, I don't think he, I don't think he doesn't believe it. I think he definitely believes it. Well, I don't know. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors, so I don't even want to. We'll make like... a Twitter poll. What do you guys think? Do you Follow think... us on Twitter. You... We'll tweet it after this. Do you think Kanye is. Well, we'll tweet it after we post it. Do you think Kanye. This is all marketing? Or do you think there's. That this is like just him being him and there's something. I don't want to say something wrong, but just something. Uh... We, did... we did not. like. Keep... We can't keep joking about it. Him saying slavery is a choice and that all that, like, we can't keep joking about it because it's someone's mental health right here that we're dealing with. But speaking of slavery is a choice and the things that he talked about with race, um, he talked about how being black is, like, he, he represents the black community and that's not, he's not saying that it's not a part of him anymore, but he, he doesn't understand why he can't represent different and other things. And... Kyra and I were debating this, and we ended up getting into a topic about the difference like between why you can be transgender, but why you can't be transracial. And the topic of Rachel Dolezal came up. For me, and Kyra completely disagrees, I think in race, in terms of classifying it based on culture and things like that, is a social construct. And I don't think, and because of that, it because it's so nuanced and kind of, you can't, you can't really classify someone by race based on how they look like it's and and, you know based on their culture because you can't assume that the same you know a black person that grew up in atlanta um in one part of atlanta is going to have the same background and upbringing as someone who is in um you know the northern marietta of atlanta or someone who grew Uh up in san francisco you can't say that you can't say give me a second give me a second oh my god but but i'm saying that and i can speak for my own experience as someone who has constantly been questioned for you know what are you are you black you're not black uh so could you say that you could be you can claim that you're middle eastern i would never if here's the thing here's the thing you you brought up you you brought up the you brought up the topic of adoption yesterday and I would say, no, if wait, I okay, were to be in wait. a, if I were adopted by a Middle Eastern family, you brought up, you brought up Jew, Jewish people or, or Jews. If you were to, you, you could go to Auschwitz and be there all day and be like, wow, man, that makes me feel so sad for the, you know, this, this group of people that had to go through a horrible thing like that. But you could never say that these are my people that went through that. But. Okay, one, well, you're but, like, you're, you're letting, you're like referencing what I'm saying without even letting me say it now. So go ahead. But I'm just saying, okay. I'm saying, I just want to say before you talk about adoption, if I were brought up in a Middle Eastern family and I had no ties, there is no way of me finding my biological parents. Or if I did, they wanted nothing to do with me. Then, and I grew up in a Jew, sorry, in a, in a, a Jewish family. You just switched it. Okay. I, I know. I, I said, I'm sorry. I meant to say Jewish, not Middle Eastern. But like, if I grew up in that, then I could, I could consider that to be my culture i that okay, is that is me, my culture if i'm growing me, okay, up in that it. is your culture okay let me just say this 
if you grow up in a family, that is your culture. No one's saying that, but I'm not saying that. But I, what I'm saying is that you cannot be transracial. You, one, Jewish is a hard thing. This is also religion, but uh, a lot. Some know, people, like culture. my friend Charlotte, it's a, no, says she's it's a, Jewish. No, they, I'm not saying that. I said also, like oh. it is, all, like I, you, it is a race as well as a religion. So I'm saying you can be grown up, grow up in the Jewish faith, know all of that, but do were your people with their people when, like, when they went through oppression? No, they were not. That is not your race. So that's why I'm saying Middle Eastern maybe, or like just other things might be a better reference. But what I'm saying with transracial, and also I watched, because I did my fucking, my freaking research on this thing, I watched the Rachel Divide on Netflix, Mm -hmm. an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. About Rachel Dolezal and like her whole background and why she believes that she is transracial, and I can tell you, like, one thing that I left with that it was, I think she seems like a nice enough woman. I think she has she's adopted two black children that were her family and the whole situation. I see how she connects with the black community, and I think the stuff that she's done for it is great. But I do not think that she is a black woman because I do not think that if I wanted to be white. That option has is there. She has the it is white privilege. It is a privilege to be able to be like, you know what? I'm going to be black. I'll take all the perks and receive none of the one receive none of the punishments. Nothing like that. If she was pulled over by the police, she could just seem like, oh, I'm white and be totally fine. Not like if that situation came up, and black people will never gain from that. So one. I don't think that that even is possible for everyone to just claim to be transracial. Two, someone made the point that being transracial is putting on an act of what you believe to be black. Because you said, you were like, oh, well, you could be like a black person here. You can be a black person here and have different experiences. Like, what is it to be black? What is it to say that you feel like you're black? Because that's just you putting on, like, the opinions of what you think black people are. Because there's such a variety that it's not like, oh, I relate because I like this. Like, I like fried chicken, you know, or I relate with their struggle. But, like, the thing is, why I believe that you, that's one, that's another reason why I don't believe you can be transracial. Two, like, three, this is three. I think race is something that is passed down to you. Not, like, race, like, culture is something that is passed down to you. I think if you are adopt it like you said you totally can adopt who you who your family is that's your culture in a sense that you can feel their like like you know their customs you know that but it's also important to know where your makeup is like where your family came from the fact that we say african-american and like i know that me being african-american means that my family was put through slavery before that taken on a ship and forced to, like, struggle and barely, like, survive and then stolen from their country, that is something that you cannot just take on because you feel like you're black. That's not, like, that's so different than being transgender. Do you believe, like, I believe it is so possible to feel like you are a boy in a girl's body or you are a girl in a boy's body. I could see how that is something. I, but I think transracial goes beyond the here and now. And I don't think you can just pick that up. Um, as far as a people like you said, African American. Some people don't like to say that. 
and some people would prefer saying being called black um, because some people just I'm re literally reading something right now by a guy named Jelani on this uh, the website on the undefeated I like I prefer to be called black I do not and cannot identify with my African heritage because I'm so far removed. If I had one eye, I'd be called a cyclops. When they see me, the first thing they notice is my skin color. Call me what you see so I can know how you identify. Anyway, that's, that's beside the point. But that's like saying to a white person, African-American, because it's so far removed, they might have, their, their family might have come here at the the what was it called the light age or the illuminating age what is it called in the, in the late 1880s and when the irish came over they do they identify as irish american or do they identify as white we came over here 400 years ago i don't ago. think anyone I, I don't think anyone's just like yeah i'm just white i think if you like at, like literally if you I'm, ask correct sure. me if i'm wrong but like <laughs> that exactly but like, but I'm saying but I'm, know, what I'm but saying to you is some say, people don't like, like, you can't but people some people don't like the phrase African American because they literally don't uh, they don't identify and then then there are I'm some people African American because that ties you to your roots and wait, I'm wait, saying wait, that people will people, say that they were not just white if you like ask like oh where's your family from they know exactly where it is All, like some people, people don't like, oh, well, like, some people don't I mean most people do because that's something that's passed down. And, like, we can ask our listeners. But, like, literally, people, like, if I ask my friend Morgan, she's like, oh, we're Italian, like, we did this. Or, like, someone would be like, oh, well, I'm Irish and also this. It's so, it's not just like, oh, I'm just white. No one's, no one's like, oh, I'm just white. I never said that they just identify as just white. But, like, no one's like, like, oh, I'm Irish. I'm saying that I'm just, I'm just getting at the whole African-American thing. Just because you're saying, like, it gets, obviously it gets at your roots. But some people don't identify. And there's a difference There's a difference between someone who can say, I am Mexican-American, first generation, and being born in America because my parents are from Mexico. That makes sense. Or my parents came from Ireland, and I'm, I'm a first generation in America. I'm Irish-American. Or I'm African-American because my parents came over from Africa, and I'm the first person to be born here in America from my, my family. That makes sense. But sometimes when it's so far <laughs> removed, I don't know. I'm just, as far as when you say black African-American, you know, it's tying to your roots. Some people don't want to be tied or don't feel any sort of connection with that root. Okay. But what's the, what I'm saying? Okay. So are you saying, cause I'm trying to see the connection with you agreeing that transracial is a thing. Are you saying, because some people are like, Oh, well, you know, my family is so far back there. Who cares? And I'm like, not saying you know, like, who no, 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 wait, let me finish because I have a question. Are you saying, because people, some people feel that way, let's say Raven Simone, because that was a big one. She got a lot of backlash mm -hmm. from that. So, let's bring up the, let's bring up the that exact quote that, that someone, she said. That someone can like pick up and wait, be like, let's wait, bring up the exact me, quote I, like, what Raven I'm, Simone well, I'm said. I'm asking you a question because we're talking about transracial. I know, really I know, but I want to bring up the exact quote that Raven Simone said so that you can have some context. I've, or our I, listeners I can have, have context. context. Sorry, our listeners. Interview. Our listeners can have context. That's what it is. If you didn't know, Raven Simone said that she is a colorless person and she doesn't want to be labeled. She's she's an American. She's not African American. She's just an American. She's not purple. She's not blah blah blah. She's nothing. She's just she's basing it on her nationality, where she is from. Continue. Okay, but you saying that? I'm just saying. Are you with using some people don't want to be tied to their 
like where they're from. Even though, like I said, white people would be like, I'm Irish American. Um, if you asked, uh, would you, how does that have to do with the fact that someone can still pick it up and say what they're from, who they, like what ethnicity they are? Because the thing is, the thing that I know, I think this is irrefutable knowledge. There is no way and no chance that I would ever be able to be like, I am Italian American. I don't have that option. I don't have that choice. So do you believe, or do I, in your opinion, if you believe transracial is a possibility, do you think that it is totally possible for me to tell everyone that I am not a black woman? I know I'm you're, trying to pin, you're trying to, you're trying to get me to be I'm, like, well, is trans, no, I'm trying trans to show gender? you how there's, wait, wait, I'm trying to trying show to... you how there's like, how it's completely like, how, like how it's just completely not a possibility and it's only something that, like, one race, can, one certain person can do. And also, I have no roots to that to even be able to claim it. I think that I just, if you're someone like Rachel Dolezal, and I, you have more background on it because you, you watch the Netflix documentary. But, um, like, for someone who... Okay, you can use schools as, a, as an example. You've had generation upon generation upon generation upon generation that go to Syracuse University. And then one day, you're, about to, you're applying to college, and your family's like, we're going to take you to Syracuse because we've just been going here forever. And you get there, and you're like, ah, I don't really connect with it. I don't see, like, what I, – I just don't connect with it. I don't want to go to Syracuse. I want to go to. Duke. I don't think that's to do with race, though. I don't think that's no, no, no. the same thing. Well, I don't I mean, think. Yeah, I don't think that's is. the same thing. You said you're basing it off of roots. I'm just no, but that's actually like, you're okay. You're. I really, really don't see that as the same thing because if you think about it, when I'm saying you're based off of roots, I'm saying that like my genetics and how I am made up comes from my ancestors. The fact that my hands are like slightly callous comes from like my ancestors. The fact that like black people are prone to diabetes comes from our ancestors and how we were treated. The fact that like how we eat our food comes from our ancestors. I don't see it as, oh, it's like if we went to the same college over and over again. I'm saying that there is genetics that are passed down through the ways that our like, pat, like the people in our line have lived. And I don't think you can just pick it up and claim it. And I don't think that it's fair to even do that. And like I said before, I don't think that if you have a privilege, it, I think it's complete privilege to think that you can claim it. And also, to be fair, I will give you, like, I watched Rachel, like, I watched her pot, her thing. She had a very, sim- situ- a very similar situation, like we said, on the um, adoption in a way. But she wasn't the one adopted, but her family adopted black children. And, like, or she was adopted. I don't know the situation. I think her family adopted black children, or she was adopted by a white family. They adopted four black children. And all of them seem to have identity issues because the black children said that they were raised to feel like they're, like, white, but they weren't feeling like they were right. And Rachel took on her families, her, like, the people that were in her family, she took on their ethnicity because she related Who to her, it. She took on whose ethnicity? Her, like, the newly adopted siblings. And then she ended up adopting she ended up taking legal or like she's 
technically the parent of one of her adopted siblings now. She took custody over them. I just, and like, like I said, she seems, she was very in with the community, even though they were right. And, but like, I think that like, I don't get why you can't just be an ally. Like there are so many people, there are so many people that are engorged in like different cultures, but claiming it, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's real. And I don't think that, and I'm saying that race is a makeup of like year of the past and culture is a makeup of the past that I, no one can just take that. And I think, like I said before, only certain people are even allowed to take that. But other people who can't, whose culture is appropriated are shamed for it. Like, if a darker-skinned person... It's just like, it's a whole thing where people whose culture is being appropriated, their culture... what they have it. When a darker-skinned person is doing what people are trying to appropriate or trying to claim as their race now, they reap the... They get the, they're discriminated against. They're the ones who aren't, like, getting jobs. They're the ones who question their standards of beauty. But then, like, someone who's white, who likes it, is able to take it and not have any judgment from it. And say it's because they're black. I just think that, like, I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a fair statement. I think that, like I said, I watched the pot, I watched the thing. I think she's a great person, but I don't think you can. Even after watching that, seeing completely her side, I genuinely still don't believe you can be transracial. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it makes sense. And I think comparing it to college is kind of ignoring a lot of other factors in that. Hmm. Okay, well, I agree that if if, you know, somebody were to come up to me and say that they were black and they really looked like they were Asian, I'd probably look at them like, what the hell is wrong with you? Okay. But at the same time, I think that right now we live in a time where a lot of things are being questioned in terms of, you know, people's mental health. What does it really mean to you know, have a race. What does it, you know, what does it mean to, you know, have a sexuality? Because there are things called pansexual. Like, there's just so much to it that, like, I don't question it as much and I wouldn't be as, like, determined to not accept whatever that person has to say because I think there's just such a hodgepodge of things happening right now and it doesn't, I don't, I don't fault the person for it. If they feel like they're, if they grew up, you know, from a Korean family and they now think that they are black, I don't fault them because that's just how they think, but, or what they feel too, but I just, I think it's, it's too much of a hodgepodge of a mix of things that I don't, I'm not going to take the time to be like, you're appropriating, you're blah, 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 you're doing this, you're doing that, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, because. But you like also don't, you said before you don't really, like, not that, like, I disagree in a sense, I don't know, I wouldn't say anything to them but like and that's the situation that you were talking about but you said you, you earlier you don't really care like appropriation isn't really anything that bothers you right um and it depends on the situation but usually it doesn't it depends on the situation really yeah, that makes sense i like like because you can't say every single person who is wearing cornrows out here doesn't understand where cornrows came from and they don't appreciate it you can't say that and sometimes and our friend our Morgan, 
Morgan, if you're listening to this, she she was like, you're riding a fine line between appropriating Korean culture and, and what you're doing right now. And I was like, mm, but see, like, and I'm just like, I don't think I'm so I can't I can't you don't know everyone's background. And just by posting an Instagram picture, you might not know that they have spent a lot of time, you know, wherever learning about how to, you know, where cornrows came from or that kind of thing. You just don't know. There's just like there's I a lot of backstory like, to things, and I don't, I don't. I think I don't that like you have to be. It. I think you have to be like. Um, I think it's really it's subjective, but I think if someone is offended and it is their culture, then you can't just say that they're wrong. So like, if someone's like, "You are literally using me, my culture as an accessory," that's actually a genuine feeling. I think people will try to be like, "Grow some thicker skin." I I think that's a real thing that people are saying, and that's like a real, like that's something that can really bother someone. And I think that's something that you can't just ignore. I'm so just not gonna... if you're saying if like Trump was wearing a dashiki, you'd be chill with it. Me, I would be like, dude, what? But I wouldn't be like, you're offending me. Like you, like I don't know. I I'm just like I can't. Yeah. What do you think of people wearing headdresses? What kind? Like Indian headdresses? What? Yeah. Like to Coachella. Native American, so like Native American or Indian, yes. like, oh, um, I don't like it. I don't like and it. Like, I don't agree with it. I think it's, unless they went to a reservation and talked to these people and really appreciated what their culture was and is right now, then, then if you didn't do that and if you at least didn't attempt to try to understand it and you just thought it looked cool and it was trendy... Um, then I don't like it. That's really, that's, that's just it. Like, I don't like it. No, I, see, I think, like, your whole, the whole idea where you're like, okay, well, you're just using this to be cool or trendy. People feel that way sometimes with their culture. Even if, like, people don't think that, like, that's something that can offend them. People will see that, and they're like, this is, like, it could be something that actually meant something to them. And they're like, you're just doing it because you like how it looks. And, like, there's some things where I think people are a little extensive on it, a little intense about where it's like, okay, calm down. But, like, I still, that's what I mean where it's like if someone's offended, like, that can come from a real place where it's just like you're using my culture to look cool and trendy. I agree. That's, that is, if there's, as far as cultural appropriation, okay, that's where I get, I'm not going to, I don't know. It's a problem when you when you're just doing it and you don't like if you if you wear cornrows and you're like oh my god I'm doing it because Kylie did it and then the next day you see or three days before you saw someone walking down the street like oh god why would he ever wear that hairstyle and now you like doing it now then sure Anything I think that's guy? the problem and like it's just such gray area it's such a gray area but yeah. I do think that there are people like that but then there are people that genuinely like I think it's just a whole hodgepodge of things but yeah. I, I will say, though, as far as cornrows go, if I like the hairstyle, then why can't I wear it? I don't necessarily disagree. I don't think, like... I don't necessarily disagree. I don't think hair really bothers me that much, but it does some other people, but I don't... Yeah. I, if you like how it looks, it's just the hairstyle. The other thing is, uh, like... Maybe I first the first time I ever saw that hairstyle ever because it's in the mainstream media was on Kylie Jenner. So in that sense, you're getting that hairstyle from Kylie Jenner, but you didn't you'd never seen it beforehand. 
But then, like, the issue is, the issue that people have with that is, like, Kylie will do it, it's trendy, a black girl does it, it's ghetto. And that's a mindset. That's why people are upset by that. Well, then, this is, I tell this to Simone all the time, then go blame the people who have seen it before, but make it popular because of her. I mean, blame that, blame the people who do that, blame the, the rest of the media and, you know, general public that, that do that. I mean, but that's, okay, it, it's just in loops, but like, I it really, I think, I, I feel, I, that is how some people see it, that's how some people who use outfits or whatever see it, that's how like, and that's why people are allowed to be upset, because they're like, wow, I'm wearing a hairstyle that like, genuinely has history to me, and I can't get a job. This person's wearing it. She gets a thousand likes on Instagram. And they're like, oh my God, you look so yeah, good. And no, like not saying that like they can't use it. It's just like there can't be a double standard, especially if it came from someone. That's just unfair. And it's like, how do you change that? I don't know. But like it's just that's the main issue that people have with it. I I see that. I see it. Whoa, think... this is a turn that we never do on the podcast. I know. I know. Ugh, yeah. Well, that was a good one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, this is literally what Emily and I's phone calls are like, usually. So It was a little more tame than what they A little are. more tame. Um, but, yeah, you know, we, uh, we, we love talking about these things, and I think we're going to, you know, try to talk about things that actually interest us. We don't have to talk about Chico's all the time, because... Sometimes they just ain't relevant. Um, Sometimes guys are boring. Sometimes Who really they cares? really are. We're just like, <laughs> what can we say about the other half of the population of the world? Nothing. Like, um, when we deal with like, these like trash guys, why do we let them grace our podcast? For real, though. Seriously. <laughs> um, but no, so we want to transition into um, our interview because the NFL draft was... Not Last this week. past Monday, but the previous Thursday, so a week and a half ago, um, and you know, a lot of people were talking about it, it was in Dallas. Um, we talked to former Michigan wide receiver J.U. Chesson. Um, he was the MVP of the 2016 Michigan football team, and um, he had an injury his 2017 year, 26, I'm sorry, let me get that right, because uh, his 2016 year, he was MVP 2015, I believe. Um, if I'm getting the years right, because football's weird. But, yeah, so he was the MVP then, um, and he now plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. He got drafted in the fourth round. And we talked to him about the draft process, what that feeling is like, sitting there waiting for the call. Um, we also talked to him about Michigan. And uh, Kyra was like, what the heck's the hype for? Because I don't understand. Don't that. worry, guys. I asked the question that every person who doesn't go to Michigan <laughs> asks when you deal with Michigan people, and you're like, why are y'all always on 10? <laughs> Well, she did. She did ask that. Um, and he had a good answer. And then we, we talked to him about Kanye a little bit, too. So here is that interview. What's up, guys? We are back with a special guest. We have J.U. Chesson, current wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, former Michigan football player, was the 2016 MVP um, during the 2016, I guess, 2017 season as well. Thank you for joining us, J.U., Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Um, I'm curious. You were we were talking about it beforehand. You guys, right now it's draft season. Um, the draft started yesterday. We'll be airing this in two weeks. But um, you, what you know, 
last year this time, what was your thought process, you know, going into the draft, you know, as, you know, I guess you were a senior, were your fifth year or fourth year? Senior? That was my fifth year. Fifth that was year. my fifth year. So I, I didn't, yeah, so my fourth year after my, uh, so after the first season with Coach Harbaugh, I decided to stay back um, and go to grad school at Michigan. And then the following year is when I declared for the draft because I was out of eligibility. Um, I finished my grad program. And then, uh, but yeah, last year this time, man, it was, uh, it was good. I mean, there are a lot of uh, butterflies in your stomach. You really don't know where you're going to go. Uh, you could really be anywhere in the country. But um, how I approach everything was just have an open mind, open heart, you know, um, I uh, I just really think uh, wherever wherever God had a plan for me to go, obviously that's where I'd go. But um, and then wherever you do go, um, you know you, you kind of just ignore the lights and the facade and everything like that, and you have a really short celebration period because you know rookie minicamp is uh, you know within the week of whenever you get drafted. So you just need to start um, really making a name for yourself uh, from day one and set the tone for how you want your rookie season to go and really your NFL career to go. That's a quick turnaround, I'm sure. And do you think that Michigan really prepared you for what you've been experiencing over the past year, like being a Michigan man and, you know, what you learned through Michigan football? Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, um, the coaches at Michigan always kind of taught us the the slogan was kind of being a pro's pro. And what that really means is just – the NFL is very, it's a team sport, but uh, a lot of the aspects of the game uh, from day-to-day life is uh, individually based. And so whether you're competing for a spot or whatever you're doing uh, on a day-to-day basis, it's really up to you um, as to whether, uh, how hard you want to work. You know, um, you don't necessarily have teammates, uh, you know, kind of holding you accountable uh, to an extent of what you're doing off the field, right? So you kind of have to make a you know, dedication to yourself and really uh, in turn to the team as to what you'll do, what you'll sacrifice to try to get to the goals that you guys are trying to achieve. And um, personally, I think that uh, that's one of the things you miss about college football, um, about, you know, playing for a team where uh, you, you, you know there's, there won't be a huge turnover in guys from year to year. But with the NFL, you know, uh, you can have a new team every, you know, four or five weeks just in terms of guys coming in and leaving. That makes I'm sense, yeah. Actually, oh, yeah. Interestingly enough, I'm from Syracuse. I go to Syracuse. I went to Syracuse. And Emily okay. just said, I'm a man of Michigan. And I've heard her say this phrase before, but I really don't know what it means. And But I do know that Emily is, like, a huge Michigan fan. I hear Go Blue all the time. And I, like, even noticed in the way that you talked about your coaches that it just seems like it installs a sort of, like, bigger and – I don't know. So what is it about Michigan that like makes you both feel so passionately about it? Oh, man, that's a good question. You know, um, it's not, <laughs> I mean, any Michigan person will tell you there's some, I don't know, secret sauce. Yeah. But they're, they're really, <laughs> man. I, like to a certain extent, like there is, but all it is is the people like, um, so that's when I say there is no secret sauce. It's just, it, it really just comes to the people um, because, when you go to Michigan, you're not, you you don't only go to Michigan, but like literally in terms of uh, geographically, like literally the dorms are still the same as they were, you know, whatever the school founded, like 1817 or whatever. Like obviously not to that date, but like in the 1900s, like you know, some random person that went to Michigan, you know, you meet them, you see them wearing a black M shirt or something, 
let's say they graduated in like 86 or something, and then you see them out on vacation somewhere, and you see them wearing a block M uh, uh, sort of t-shirt, and you're like, go blue, and then you guys kind of start start a conversation. Hey, what dorm did you live in? Oh, I, I lived in West Spot. They're like, oh my gosh, like what room did you stay in? Or what uh, what house did you stay in? You're like, oh, um, Rumsey or something. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, oh, I stayed in Adams. You know, like all those things obviously are going over your head right now because you don't, uh, I mean, you, you don't know because, like, you didn't go to Michigan. Those are the types of things that, like, Michigan people know and, like, Michigan people are so proud of. And I really think um, when you say the phrase Michigan man or Michigan woman, it, it really goes down to the values of uh, something that uh, every Michigan student can kind of hang their hat on and somebody who is affiliated with the university um, because you have pride in your school. Uh, you have pride and respect for the people and how hard they work and um, and – uh, you have a you have a history of excellence that you have to uphold and achieve, regardless if it's football, uh, the business school, you know, school social work, whatever it is. There's always that a level of expectation for everybody to be excellent, it, and it's just kind of known, right? It's, nobody has to tell you, nobody has to, um, you know, break it down for you or anything like that. It's just all part of the culture, and um, the only way to really get that is um, if you're infused in the culture for a various number of years, and so. That's why, you know, when a freshman steps on campus, they, uh, obviously everything's new to them, but um, just like really any social phenomenon that, you know, that takes place, um, you conform uh, to whatever your surroundings are. And in Arbor, when you conform, conform isn't really such a bad thing because you have so many different individuals you can learn different things from and you'll find your fit. But at the end of the day, there's all, we all stand on that equal ground of, you know, what the block M means and stands for us, right? Because we all, we all kind of fight for that. We all do what we kind of do for that, you know, because at the end of the day, um, that that symbol just gives so much back to us and it connects us, you know, worldwide. That's very interesting because, like, like you said, everyone kind of has this connection between them and that brings you guys, it holds you to a higher level. And I imagine that would translate to, like, football where – it's a connection between you and the play and the students, the staff, the coaches, mm-hmm. and you have this kind of you have that. Do you think you are able to get that now, as like when you're with pro, where it has like less of a history that you're entwined in, or are you learning the history and becoming feeling like you're as or feeling like you can be as connected to your team as you do as you were with Michigan? Yeah, no, a hundred percent you can be as connected, but. You have to also think too, like you you look at any foundation of any successful relationship, whether you're talking about uh, marriage or you're just talking about friendships or whatever, um, school-based, like uh, the two things that make any relationship uh, healthiest um, and really substantial is shared time and shared suffering. And so um, if you look at anything like at Michigan, it's easy because you share a lot of time together, right? You're you may have classes with your teammates and this isn't just even teammates. This is like when I was at Michigan, I was in a business fraternity there, uh, AK sign, like my pledge class, like we were all pretty close cause we, we spent a lot of time together, um, doing like, you know, various, uh, pledging things and stuff like that. But, um, so share time, right. And then also share suffering. Like when you go through something with somebody, uh, rather than just by yourself, um, you kind of that adversity, um, you know, sucks while you're going through it. But, you, you remember that and um, naturally you kind of cling to those people who are around you and had your back uh, when you're going through some sort of hard hardship. So, um, and obviously anywhere you go, whether if it's college, the workplace or, 
you know, the military, there's always going to be some sort of adversity and whoever you're with and get through that with, um, those, those are your people, those are the people you rock with. And so, uh, not to say you can't do that. I mean, you can do that anywhere. So it's not just exclusive to Michigan, but it's just Michigan people just, just tend to make that more well known than other schools. I feel like so, um, and then like with the NFL, um, like there are guys here on the team I'm really close with because uh, we, um, you know, we share a lot of time together in terms of, like on the building and on the, in the building and meetings on the field uh, because that's your life 24-7 kind of thing. You know, it's a lifestyle. Um, and then in terms of shared suffering, I mean, really that's the beauty of sports. Um, it's just a huge melting pot. You can you have people of different race, um, walks of life, religion, what have you, you know, come to the same place and the common ground is can I trust you to do your job and um, and the series of events that coaches put you through to see if you can execute your job at a high level um, create some sort of obstacles that if you guys get through it together, um, you're definitely going to be way more successful if you did it by yourself. So the combination of those two things, shared time and shared suffering, really, um, like I said, is the, uh, is, uh, is, is the cohesiveness of what makes a relationship healthy and, you know, stay, stay together. That's interesting that you talk about, um, you know, the shared suffering. And I think I want to kind of go back to this is, I guess you have about two minutes left. Um, you know, the shared suffering in terms of being a Michigan fan and a player. And I feel like, um, you know, like you said, like there's this sort of unwritten rule where like Michigan people are just, you know, for some reason, according to other fandoms or foreign fan bases like Kyra's Syracuse are um, sometimes unnecessarily arrogant. Um, and we why we're arrogant because sometimes, you know, like we don't perform or as some people say we don't perform in clutch situations. And so, you know, with hardball coming in, you know, or with the basketball team this year, like, do you think that there are sometimes, you know, when you've kind of stepped away from that Michigan bubble and you're in the locker room with people from Ohio state or Alabama, whatever, do you think that sometimes the Michigan, uh, you know, bleeding blue all the time and the the air the maze is an arrogant form of yellow is a little too hyped no i mean i i don't i certainly don't think it's hype mm -hmm. um the, the thing at the at the end of the day though at, at like you really strip away all the you know the facades and all the people like what people actually say like you can what i what i tell people is like because <laughs> it's funny in the locker room obviously like our football team didn't uh do as great this year as like uh anybody would hope or even when i was there mm -hmm. uh, but the thing is like you look at the you look just look at michigan you just strip away like you know you start taking a part in what really is michigan um and you look at what michigan has repeatedly done right you look at who we are because you are what you repeatedly do right um and so there really isn't no uh debate as to how great Michigan is. Everybody respects Michigan. Um, sometimes do we kind of <laughs> get out of line and, you know, but yeah, we do, but everybody does that. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, so it's just, I don't, I don't think it's hype at all. I don't think it's any form of, um, I don't think it's any form of, uh, what's the word I'm for? Um, it's not any form of being, hmm, um, I guess superfluous. It's right. just, it's just more so that, um, Michigan fans are just, not just fans, but just Michigan people uh, are just so proud of what they've done. And, and nobody can really, you know, kind of understand that unless you're, you know, you're the man in the arena doing uh, what the, you know, whatever it is, even if it's rowing, if you're that person in the boat, like, 
you know, rolling with your team, like nobody else deserves to really understand why you feel the way you do. Uh, you just, you can share it with them, but if they can't relate, they can't relate. And it's not, you're not sharing it with them for them to relate in the mm-hmm. sense you're sharing it more so because it's a sense of pride that you have with your boys or your girls or whoever you're with. Uh, cause that's something you guys share. So really that's the kind of mentality, like I've got to learn from Michigan is like, I'm not saying it's like Michigan versus the world or anything like that, but I'm willing to go toe to toe with anybody, you know, that that's against Michigan. But why am I like that? It's just more so because of what I learned at Michigan. And obviously, like, um, I respect everybody. I respect uh, all the schools and stuff like that. But, you know, I just think my school is just simply better than all the schools. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> Kyrie, you might not agree, um, but I agree I, with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I think people at Syracuse have the same kind of feeling when it comes to basketball. And, like, they'll be people will be cocky even if we're not even getting anything and it's because of the team and the sport and school i think you're right it's just about the whole society and no matter what you're gonna rep what you rep and i mean i've been in michigan it's cool i think you guys are worth it i think emily is huge go blue all the time but you know respect respect both of you for sure for sure i gotta be um but thank you so much ju i know you gotta go um thank you for talking with us we definitely like with andrew obviously we talked to him about Ohio being at Ohio State now, and he has a different perspective, and it's an interesting one. But um, we, I love finally getting an all-Michigan perspective on this episode and this podcast because it's been right. a long time coming. Um, right. No, you're very well. Hold on for a second. Okay. You want to grab? Yes, yes. Can I just saw this in a lot Thank you. Sorry about that. Okay. I, uh, no, so I um, definitely, if you guys need me uh, for anything else, just uh, let me know. We'll coordinate something. Um, and then we'll definitely, um, we can finish up or continue however you want to do, but always, always a pleasure to be talking to you guys. No problem. Thank you so much. And have me. fun at the draft party. Sure, oh, I will try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you later. All right. And okay. Loved talking to JU. Um, he's always so cool to talk to and he's so gracious. He got on the phone with us twice two different times because we wanted to ask him a few more questions. So thank you to JU for doing that. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Um, and I guess might as well just turn off the podcast now because no one cares. <laughs> Nobody cares about Emily. Thanks silly for listening Emily. to Ian e K. We're freaking done. <laughs> Emily, you got confused. You said turn it off, but it's not your tailgate. It's mine. So people actually want to hear it. Um, guys. Yes, it is that time of the week, or this week, where you don't have to hear about BTS. Oh my god, this is a whole freaking podcast that we didn't have to hear about. <laughs> wow. Yay for us. Wait, wait, but you were the one who brought it up, <laughs> not I me. I realized when I was saying it, I was like, god dang it. I literally, <laughs> when I said that, I was like, here they are. <laughs> Thank anyway. you, Kyra. Thank oh you. God, whatever, Making whatever, the... whatever, Thank whatever, you. whatever. Anyway, who am I inviting to tailgate, you ask? Good question. Or, <laughs> I got an answer for you. <laughs> it is... Drum roll. What? That's so okay. Uh, Matt McGorry, hashtag woke white boy. Do you Love guys that. explain to them who Matt McGorry is? He's the best person, guys. He's amazing. Oh my god! I'm How about who he is? Okay, I was about to get into it. <laughs> he's a ama- okay. okay. He's a who is he? He's amazing. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, he started off, well, I found out about him, I think, and most people did from, like, Orange is the New Black, mm-hmm. and then he... He was the, uh, Orange... he was the officer the... with the pit, 
uh, peg leg, right? Yeah, and he Kicker? had a relationship with one of the inmates, and they eventually Dark. got... Yeah, and so then, like, he would seem like a cool person. Like, no one really knew about him. And then he was, like, on um, How to Get Away with Murder, and he plays Asher, who's a really funny character. He's, like, and a so frat boy. Like, he's, like, a frat a boy. A dumb frat boy. But he, like... And, like, everyone's like, oh, cool, an actor, you know? And then this dude just decides, like, he just drops knowledge. I don't know when it started, when everyone discovered, like, this man is fucking dope. <laughs> but, like, he basically, they call him Woke White Boy because he is the wokest of all. He literally, like, goes to, I think the first time that I found about it, out about it, I don't know. He went to, like, he goes to protests. He, it's all about Black Lives Matter. And it's not like he just says it because he's like, oh, I believe in it. Look at me post on Instagram. Like, he does research. He, like, listens to, he listens to speakers. He does, like, all this, like, strive. And he, like, acknowledges privilege. He acknowledges, like, it's just, like, he's just everything you ever want to know. Like, oh, my God. Like, check out his Facebook. He shares so much, like, great books, like the Underground Railroad. Road. And even not just for, like, you know, black, any black culture. He's there for, like, everything that's going on. He's just, he's a woke white boy. It's amazing. There have to, there has to be some sort of um, um, like I'm sure there's some article about here, like out here, like what, like the catchphrases for a woke white boy to slide into a black girl's DM. <laughs> like there has to be, there needs to be a formula to it because I really want to see not, it. If there's not, we're gonna make an article. <laughs> no, yeah, right, right. <laughs> like he sends a meme of a like a scra- screenshot of if slavery was a choice and then sends it to the like and dms like oh i don't know if i should laugh at this because of my privilege but what do you think and you're just like oh <laughs> oh really okay <laughs> uh uh be here at eight <laughs> okay um okay i'm ready let's go what when is matt what's matt bringing to the tailgate Oh my god, I don't know. His funky dance moves. And also, yeah, um... he does have some... <laughs> he's, he's like a weird... Da- he's like a... He's like a... If you look him up, he's cute, but he's like... He's like goofy. And like, just doesn't... He doesn't have any coordinated moves at all. <laughs> <laughs> but he always has this like twerking dance move. Like, I feel like I'm very aware of his, like, butt and how it dances. So, okay. that's what... <laughs> He'll bring that's that. That's what he's bringing. He'll bring he's that. He's bringing okay. his funky dance moves. I'm down. I'm down for that. You know what? Wasn't as bad of a guess as usual. Kyra brought KJ Appa, and now she's bringing this dude. All right. I get it. Cool. We got it. Thanks, Kyra. What's he, I, what, what do you even mean, Emily? There's been a variety in my picks. Yours have been the same for the past five weeks. Oh, uh, that's not true, actually. It's been three. Three weeks. Three times. Oh, my God. (laughs) Try again. Right? Right? And we got four more weeks left. (laughs) We're not even halfway through. (laughs) That's literally two months because it's yours and mine. Oh, my God. Sorry. Okay. (gasps) Thank you, Kyra. And thank you guys for listening to the Fallout with PMK. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, the Fallout Weck. I hate, I the hate the ball out, the ball out W E K. Um, we put polls on there. We give updates about our episodes. There are going to be some giveaways soon and, um, make sure to subscribe, like, um, and you know, just share this with your friends. Cause we want you guys to be out here, um, with us and we want more people out here with us and commenting and loving us. So thank you for listening. <laughs>
Thank you. Bye. Bye. Do you ever wonder why a sunset's by your hummus? Feeling so unimpressed. Do you see the mistakes you will grant her?